0: See you later, Water. Stephen King is out of here. Um, you'll like this. The uh, wind forecasts are all totally wrong. I've got it dead on the nose. No forecast model I've looked at shows that. So, lo- loving that. Anyway, I'm having a lovely time. We'll see you in, I don't know, three weeks or so. bye.
1: and so began a journey that would last a lot longer than three weeks with the original intention of turning north from Sydney and heading up to meet friends the winds weren't favorable so Stephen King decided to do something a little bit different to check something off on his bucket list something he had tried once before but had failed Stephen was a member of a Facebook community that I was involved with he wasn't somebody I knew But his story has inspired me, as it will inspire you. That urge we all have to just chuck away society, to get out on the water, to enjoy it for what it is, to live, to learn, to the maximum, to challenge oneself. Stephen ended up circumnavigating Tasmania, up the west coast, some of the most isolated land in Australia. But in order to find out what makes this man tick, we need to go back in time and find out where the sailing adventure began for him.
0: Sailing or boating? Because I actually started boating before I could walk. My parents used to row out to the uh, boat while I was still in a bassinet. Um, But didn't actually start sailing and buy a boat till I was 36. I'm, I'm now
1: 42. So you started very, very young. What sort of boat did they have?
0: Uh, I grew up mostly around uh, motor cruisers. Uh, my dad owned like Mariner Paces, you know, around 26-foot motor cruisers. And I think the biggest he ever had was a 31-foot motor cruiser. But he did actually take me for offshore runs, just hops between uh, Pitwater and Sydney Harbour when I, when I was about eight. So I was out there with my head in an ice cream bucket, th- throwing up at eight years old.
1: <laughs> and what made you? Uh, what made you step across to the dark side of sail?
0: The dark side of sailing, um, doing long offshore uh, single-handed hops. Um, always been a particularly adventurous guy. I've uh, I've done a lot of long distance hiking. Um, I've, I've done the Bibbleman end-to-end, the Australian Alps walking trail end-to-end, uh, a bit of mountaineering. Um, I just wanted to be sort of an all-rounded adventurer and given the area I live, sailing seems to have just come come to the forefront in my life.
1: So what type of boat do you have now?
0: I've got a Cavalier 32 that I've uh, completely rebuilt myself over the last uh, probably six, six and a half years. Um, it was an old clunker 1982 model boat when I bought it. Every, everything on it's 40 years old and Sure enough, it's just needed a brand new everything. Um, yeah, but it's a very very solid sea boat. Yeah, it's a blue water boat. Um, I've, I've been very. It's a very good platform for me. I find it to be very well balanced. Um, it's a great single hander's boat. You can get it in and out of tight spots. You can race it around the cans on a Wednesday night doing twilights with your mates as well as you can do big offshore hops in it. So for me, it just fits in that nice middle zone where it can do a bit of everything really well. It, it's not the fastest boat out there, but tell you what, when you got three to four metres of short and sharp sea state on you, um, yeah, it's, it's going fast enough.
1: Yeah, there's more to life than just speed. Now, this venture you've just come back from, you were... You decided to head out of Pittwater and turn north. You ended up turning south. How did that come about?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, I was supposed to go on a three-week trip to Lord Howe Island, and I was even meeting another boat or two with other mates uh, out there. Uh, The weather forecast that day said it was supposed to be blowing due north, uh, which would have given me about a 60-degree sailing angle to Lord Howe Island. And I went out the heads, and it was blowing due east. So w- went under motor for a couple of hours, and I was like, oh, bugger this, I want to sail. So I put the sails up, started running hard as I could to the wind. I'm still pointing to New Zealand. I did that for a couple of hours, and I was like, oh, bugger this. I started looking at the GPS, and I was like, oh... I could come off the wind and be in Jervis Bay by four in the morning. Yeah, that that sounds a bit more like me. <laughs> uh, then hit, hit Jervis Bay, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go to Gibbsland Lakes. That'll that'll do because you know nor'easters at that time of the year. It was sort of Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, uh, and then I was like, well, I've always wanted to circumnavigate Tasmania single handed. Um, I don't have a really important job at the moment. Oh, I've got a couple of bucks in my pocket. Yeah, I reckon I can make this work. I so, love it. Uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, just 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 winged it, and um, yeah, um, here I am, three and a half months later, and I've just got back.
1: Yeah, yeah, that three week venture turned into months. Now, you did try and circumnavigate Tasmania before, but that didn't eventuate. What happened there?
0: I was relatively new to sailing, like I'd done um, a few offshore hops, like, you know, pit water to Nelson's Bay, uh Pitwater to Sydney Harbour, even been as far as Jervis Bay. And I was like, oh yeah, I've done a few few miles, I know what I'm doing, I've been around boats. Um, then I went to, once I got sort of, things really start to heat up once you get south of Gabo Island, uh... Then once I got down around Bass Strait, yeah, I wasn't really prepared for what you get down there. And the boat was old and run down, you know, 40-year-old motor. You know, sails are probably 20 years old. And I spent the whole time so stressed and scared from big sea states and things going wrong on the boat all the time. I, I didn't even have a starter motor at the time. I was so keen to go. Um, the old Book DV20 that I had at the time, you could still actually hand crank the motor. Uh, so I was hand cranking my motor all the way around Tasmania. And I got to about Hobart and I was like, and everyone was warning me about the West Coast and how sketchy it can be there. And I, I thought better of it and slinked my way back up the East Coast to Tassie and, and came back to Sydney. And I always vowed, I like to finish things. Yeah, I always vowed that I would go back and, and finish what I started. And it, it took a little longer than I expected. I didn't think it would be six years. Um, Just, you know, COVID and rain and everything has its way of mucking up all your plans and slowing things down. And I, I guess that's, that's just why I went this time as like a... You know, I went out the heads, uh, Lord Howe Island wasn't going to happen. I'm like, well, the boat's supplied, the boat's good. I've got a brand new motor, I've got a brand new rig, I've got brand new sails. So I'm like, just just go.
1: Just, just go. go. What a, an unbelievable, uh, gutsy thing to do. Now, I remember uh, chatting with you on Facebook. Uh, that You just got past Gabo Island and you said that it was the most horrendous thing you'd ever been through. What was it like down there? Take us back to that moment.
0: Yeah, Gabo Island has its way of being like a pressure valve on the wind. Kind of like, uh, imagine wind like uh, water coming out of a hose and Gabo Island is just pressing your finger on it and creating a whole heap of extra pressure. Um, I came around the side of Gabo Island and she just whipped up to about 35 knots um, yeah, uh, once you start sustaining 35 knots, cause we're not really used to getting that around pit water where it sustains yeah. 35 knots. Um, yeah. yeah, you've certainly got your hands full in a, in a small boat, uh, by yourself.
1: What were the seas like at the time? Were they big?
0: Oh, it was, uh, it was blowing in nor'easter. So by the time you sort of get around the corner of Gabo Island, you kind of got a bit of a lead you're in the lee of the land, so there's not much fetch to actually build up much of a sea state. Uh, I certainly saw some more interesting sea states further south. Uh, but, yeah, at that time, just, yeah, a lot of pressure, but not a lot of sea state.
1: And one of the benefits of being a cruiser, as opposed to a racer, is that we can pick our weather windows, whereas racers tend to have to go when the, when the gun fires. Um, so you're obviously paying a great deal of attention to, you know, the, the predicted sea state and where the winds were going to come from for that that travel across probably Australia's most uh, fearful uh, stretch of water, Bass Strait.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um I would say I definitely sailed more cautiously than than some people may. Um, I'd always look at four different weather models, um, being from Bureau of uh, Meteorology, as well as, I was using PredictWind and, and looking at um, all four weather models on there, and you're sort of taking all this information and then sort of try, it's kind of like reading tea leaves a little bit, but you sort <laughs> of have a look at all four, five, have a look at what everyone's saying. Um, and then, you know, you, you make your, um, your, choices, your choices on that. Um, but yeah, I had a, I had a really good, because I did bass straight in two hops, because I went from Lakes Entrance to Deal Island, and then i was there for a few days and then went deal island over to the Furno group which is Flinders island area um yeah i did that a couple of days later
1: and how was the weather during that passage
0: um well the first half um because gibsland lakes is a is a bar crossing and and certainly a bit of a treacherous one I don't really like going into bars at the best of time because you really dictated to when you've got to be there and when you can leave because of the tide. Um, so I couldn't actually leave. Which
1: doesn't always work with sailboats. Yeah.
0: No, no. Well, once again, I'm only hopping along at five, five to six knots. And, um, Gab, um, the run to deal Island was a hundred miles, which is yeah, about 16 hours in my boat. Um, I couldn't leave till 12.30 in the middle of the day. So it was basically, it was an overnight run. I had, it gets, why Bass Strait so treacherous is because it's, it's open sea, but you're usually only in about 40 metres of water. So it's so shallow that you just get this really short and sharp sea state. I had, um, on the first part, through the night, at about 20 knots, pretty much at, just ahead of the beam at about seventy degrees, and yeah, you you've got about two meter sea state, but they're short and sharp, so they're only at about a three three and a half second interval. So every three and a half seconds, you have got another two meters of water coming at you, kept hitting the hitting the side of the uh, the freeboard, and yeah, um, I got a little wet.
1: <laughs> I can imagine, <laughs> and I I also remember too, uh, about the time. Uh, that you were down around Hobart, there was a big blow uh, that came through, a, a low-pressure system developed off off the Tasmanian coast. You were in port, obviously, at that stage, and I think preparing uh, for your West Coast venture. Um, even just to, even when you're not at sea in conditions like that, it can be a little bit testing on board a yacht.
0: Um, there was certainly a few times where, um, including it, Gabo Island where you're, you're anchored and you know, if there's not much um, of a hill or trees where, where you're anchored you, you're still anchored in 30 knots of wind um, fortunately I've got really good ground tackle um, having good ground tackle is just so important like if you've got 30 knots of breeze in an anchorage like you, want to go to, you want to go to bed with, with peace of mind that your boat's not going to take off um I did always set an anchor alarm I just just use an app on my phone that just you know pins point GPS and if your boat moves more than 20 meters you'll you'll get an alarm um, but yeah a, a lot of the trip you probably spend more time in port um, wait, waiting for the right weather conditions than you do um, actually out sailing yeah.
1: That concludes part one of our chat on High Tide with solo sailor Stephen King. In part two...
0: Got to meet one of the Golden Globe racers. He was—he got knocked down in the Southern Ocean. He said he had about 60 knots of breeze with about a six to eight metre sea, running no sails, towing a drogue, and he was downstairs strapped into his bed asleep. <laughs> I'm just going... Geez, those wind sound pretty
1: good. Join us again next week when we bring you part two of Solo Sailor, Stephen King's Circumnavigation of Tasmania.